Good afternoon, and welcome to Citizen K, a weekly current affairs program featuring in-depth interviews and perspectives. I'm Kareem Mosna. This week on Citizen K. You work so hard for these projects, these public-facing projects, and uh, they they really are that moment to, to acknowledge uh, outstanding achievement and artistic merit. Once again, Citizen K has a theme this week, awards and recognition. The Agnes Etherington Arts Centre, based here at Queen's University, took home five Gallery Ontario, Ontario Galleries Awards. To learn more about this honour and the award-winning works, I spoke with Agnes Chief Curator Alicia Boutier. My conversation with her is coming up. But also in the awards category... This past Saturday, December 3rd, was International Day of Persons with Disabilities. Just prior to that on Friday, the City of Kingston presented its 2022 Accessibility Awards. I had the chance to speak with two of the award recipients. Please note that this interview was made possible through an ASL interpreter. Tell me about what Signable Vision does uh, for this community. I empower businesses to develop inclusive communication strategies and practices with the goal of improving awareness to engage with different people, whether it be that they are deaf, hard of hearing, have autism, are new to Canada, and whenever they're engaging in work or customer service environments so that they have those strategies and are prepared to respond in a way without fear or awkwardness and that they're simply ready to interact. Okay, so you work directly with these individuals. Well, I do work with individuals, yes, but also small businesses and large corporate training as well um, with employers, and I provide training for their staff in their processes. How, how, how vital is this training um, in, 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 these, in these environments? Well, people think they know everything already, but they have more to learn and they can benefit from that and improving on their environments so that they're improving their visual access because not everybody is able to necessarily identify and, and is not necessarily showing a label, but it's an opportunity to create the exposure so that those environments are able to improve their accessibility. And you, you did bring up a great point there about um, not not every disability is one that is a visible one. Um, so tell me a little bit of, about uh, creating environments for those with hidden disabilities. Well, if you have signage like infographics, for example, the information is that much more clear for people to be able to access it. And when you're using media, make sure to include captioning, include interpreters, provide transcripts, because that way you have it as a fair access for everyone and everyone is accommodated because you may not necessarily know and the information is then more widely shared and everyone benefits from it. And finally, any thoughts to share on receiving this Accessibility Award today? <laughs> uh, a bit shocked, really. Uh, I'm humbled and very appreciative that someone nominated me, Carrie nominated me, so I really do appreciate that. I have been involved in the MAC committee and in the, the, the awards process before and encourage more accessibility for people. Uh, when we 
see the awards happening, you hear from other people, but the actual actions of individuals is really what's so inspiring. Great, thank you very much for your time today. I then spoke with Associate Professor of Mechanical and Materials Engineering at Queen's University, Dr. Claire Davies, who also received a 2022 Accessibility Award. Tell me a little bit about the work that you and your class did at Queen's University uh, with regards to accessibility. So we have, um, we've been doing this for six years. It's engineers and occupational therapists. So it's a core class for the third year engineering biomechanics students and the second year occupational therapist students. And we work together with members of the community to design technology that enables them to um, be more independent within the community. So yeah, we've done a variety of different things. We do, um, of course I blank. We did an ostomy guide for a lady who has glaucoma. We've worked on um, devices for gaming systems for children who can't interact with maybe a Nintendo Switch. Um, we've made switches so that kids can use electronics more effectively. Um, that was one of the activities we actually did last night just for fun. We've um, adapted electronic water guns and little teddy bears that actually play music. And so we did that um, yeah, just last night as part of our holiday party. Uh, so when we actually do the course, we have 60 engineers, 60 occupational therapists, give or take, both all years. And so we put them on teams of six, where we have three engineers, three occupational therapists, and they meet with the end user about four times during the duration of the semester. And so the idea is that the design for that end user, um, first they figure out what the end user actually needs. They design the first device, they prototype the device, they take it to the end user, the end user says, yeah, I like this, I don't like this, what can we change? And they go through that iteration a couple times before we eventually get to the point where we can give that, um, the device over to the end user to help them. So tell me about sort of what inspires uh, the particular devices that you work on as a class. Um, as I know you mentioned some very great examples, what's the inspiration? It's the end users. They come in with whatever they want right from the start. They are the ones who identify it. And we have to manage expectations because in the course of a 12-week stint, you don't actually get a whole lot of um, iterations and improvement. Uh, but over the summer, I usually will continue to work with, the, with some summer students to ensure that we actually get the device to a stage at which we can actually give it over to the end user so it's actually designed effectively enough that they can use it effectively. And so it ends up being that the 12 weeks in the course, we end up usually having four teams designing for each end user. And then we take the best components from each of those designs and formulate those together to design a device for at the end of the summer. What's the name of this course? Uh, we call it Building Better Together. So it's a third year um, biomedical product design course and the occupational therapy, um, I believe it's um, environmental living, but I can't remember the actual name for the, the, um, the occupational therapy side of things, but it is, we call it Building Better Together. And are these devices, um, you know, going beyond the classroom, right? are these being, being used? Um, in the community. Yes. Yeah. yeah, so our main main goal is to have them within the community. So even during the pandemic, we did everything via Zoom and we mailed out the devices to the clients for assessment and for final use. So we were able to continue that throughout the pandemic, but we always ensure that the, the our clients do get a device that they can use in the future. And lastly, thoughts on receiving this accessibility award today? 
uh, I, I definitely credit Vera for uh, enabling me to uh, achieve this award and to be giving credit for this. I think it's great that people within the Queen's community can um, hear more about the both the course and accessibility as a whole. Listening to the speakers that we've had today, it has really shown that we really need to improve our accessibility as a whole, especially on the campus as well as the rest of Kingston. Well, definitely, and else just to follow a point to that, I mean, hearing uh, from Desiree, the, uh, who gave a great uh, talk, um, we, you know, we, we do have ways to go uh, in this country, in this province. Um, perhaps what is sort of a, 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 a what you'd like to see uh, in terms of accessibility? I know that's a big question, but any, any, anything that pops into mind? So I've actually done it from the perspective of getting the engineers into that accessibility mindset from the time they're in third year and understanding that they need to meet the needs of all members of the community right from the third year, fourth year level. And so that's something that I designed into all of my courses. I really want the rest of the community to actually jump on board as well to be able to do that. And um, the buildings, those are the most important at Cranes. We really need to start um, enhancing them, making them more accessible, and having an idea of where the accessibility um, exits and entrances are, as well as accessible washrooms. I know those are the, one of the biggest things that I get asked on a regular basis is where where do I go? Which floor is the is the ramp out to the rest of the community? I can't get out. And so those are some of the things that I find within the Queen's community. So I'd love to see just everybody designing, thinking about that at the very first step, designing for accessibility and ensuring that we can um, enhance the community, make it accessible for all. Okay, Claire, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you very much. And those are my conversations with two of this year's City of Kingston Accessibility Award winners. We just heard from Dr. Claire Davies, and prior to that, my conversation with Leah Riddle, which was made possible through the use of an ASL interpreter. You're listening to Citizen K on CFRC 101.9 FM, CFRC.ca, and on podcast. I'm Kareem Mosna. Chances are, if you're a Queen's University student, faculty, or alumni, you've toured the Agnes Etherington Art Gallery. During my time here in Kingston, my short time I might add, I've had the chance to tour the gallery through a few exhibits, including the Agnes Etherington House. Well, the Art Gallery was presented with five Gallery Ontario, Ontario Galleries Awards, at the Hot Docs Ted Rogers Cinema in Toronto last week. So the Agnes has been given provincial recognition. This is definitely huge. Five awards. To learn more about the Agnes and to get her thoughts on uh, this great honour, I spoke with the chief curator of the Agnes Etherington Art Gallery, Alicia Boutier, here on Citizen K. Alicia, thank you very much for joining me to talk about uh, the awards today. No problem. Delighted to be here with you, Kareem. Great. So, I mean, this is a great honor, recognition, not only for the Agnes Art Gallery, but also for Queen's University. I mean, five awards at the Ontario Galleries Awards this year. Any thoughts you have on, on this recognition? It was super thrilling to have this recognition. Five awards is quite a sweep for the Agnes. We certainly have had great success at the uh, what's now called the GOG Awards, was formerly the OAG Awards. So it's the Gallery Ontario Galleries. Um, and uh, this is a peer-reviewed 
award and the only um the only awards of this kind offered uh nationally um and is based of course in Ontario and it's exciting for us to have five awards that really represent the breadth of what Agnes contributes to um to exhibitions to curatorial writing, to programming, and to for design. Uh, so, so we're thrilled, and also, you know, for 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 me, it's it's so gratifying too to have uh, so many of our colleagues within Agnes's institution recognized for the work that they do. These awards went to some uh, longer term staff members, but also some of our new staff members, uh, some of our new uh, curators who join Agnes during the pandemic, and to have the work that they've done here in this short period of time is 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 really wonderful. So, uh, and it's significant as well. The, uh, the GOG Awards have been around for quite some time, and GOG itself was celebrating its 45th anniversary. So having that kind of anniversary marker was wonderful too. And, you know, these, these awards, you work so hard for these projects, these public facing projects. And uh, they, they really are that moment to, to acknowledge uh, outstanding achievement and artistic merit. Um, and in relation to other galleries in Ontario too, a lot of these awards that we received are about those partnerships with other galleries and with artists and uh, with designers. So it's also not just about us and it's also about our work in relation to uh, our colleagues across the province. So very exciting. Well, and certainly a broad scope uh, of art that was recognized and awards uh, particularly for the Agnes, which we'll dive into in a second. But first, I want to get a bit more into how the process works. Uh, is is there a certain criteria that is met? I understand it's 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 a, a juried award. It is a juried award. So every year, um, every um, uh, gallery in Ontario is invited to uh, submit their own nominations or to submit where everyone is invited to submit nominations for projects that they've been involved in and those all get compiled and sent to GOG and they uh, administer that and uh, uh, the jury is different every year they bring a jury together and those jurors review all this material and make the selection and those jurors are our peers they're drawn uh, directly from the field as well. So that too is um, really significant and really important um, to have that perspective on the work that you that one does. Uh, and then there are short lists and we're informed of those short lists. Uh, and then, of course, we have to be quiet about them and uh, some of them are confidential. And uh, then at this uh, awards ceremony, which took place in person for the first time since the pandemic, 
it, it was also live streamed. So, um, and, that, and that is probably the very first time uh, you go to the award and then those are announced. Uh, so it makes for a very celebratory event because you go and you, and you see your colleagues. Sometimes this is a really wonderful opportunity to catch up with everyone. And especially after the period we've gone through, that's had particular uh, particular resonance. So, and the other thing with this year too, um, through the pandemic, the awards were reduced, like they were content, condensed to just a select number of awards. And this year they just, they opened it up again to the full roster of awards. So I counted, there were 24 awards uh, given this year and uh, they haven't been able to uh, award that many in in these last uh, couple of years. So, yeah. So that's a bit of so that gives you a sense of the process. There's 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 a lot of work and thoughtfulness that goes into compiling those two, like really thinking about those categories and and what as an institution you want to put forward. Uh, it is just it is a selection of all that we do, uh, but uh, a, a, a thoughtfully a thoughtful selection um, to and, and and an opportunity after a year has gone by as well to really reflect on all the work that we've done and uh, with whom we've worked. So yeah, that's uh, that's how that works. So let's let's get a little bit into uh, some of the winners from this year. So uh, the uh, Agnes was recognized with two exhibition of the year awards, uh, one being thematic, uh, a guest plus a host equals a ghost, and the other one uh, monographic, uh, which I understand uh, was put together by artist Shelby List uh, from Mohawk Territory, uh, and I understand uh, with the exhibit translated, it means there are still people in the world that love you. So it, it really sounds like, again, those very reflective of, of the times. Yes. So, uh, Shelby, Shelby Lisk's solo exhibition, which was curated by Michelle Bunton, our curatorial assistant here, and, uh, Susanna von Amirendonk, who is our curator of European art, uh, a beautiful, uh, 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 intimate exhibition that came out of a micro-residency that we had here. Shelby was in residence along with other uh, artists from the area at, at, um, at Agnes. And then uh, with Shelby's work, what came out of it was this beautiful exhibition. Um, as you as you mentioned, Shelby has roots in Tyndanaga Mohawk territory, and uh, and her show was was very much tied to the condition of uh, the uh, uh, the lockdown, um, in particular the third one, and she worked collaboratively with uh, women who were meaningful to her and to her life and to who she was and is to design earrings that she then beaded and gifted to these women. And then photographs were taken uh, of these women uh, wearing these earrings. And this is the what the display um, was. And it was set in Etherington House, which is the historic house 
that is at the heart of uh, the Agnes Etherington Art Center. It was Agnes Etherington's house. And um, it was part of this uh, larger uh, reflection that we've been undertaking about, uh, about this house and what it means to be tied to an actual home and and what it means to rehome this home and make it a a space uh that is welcoming and with within which um artists and members of the community can can also feel welcome and to reflect on the legacy of that home but also to carry it forward um, as Agnes Etherington uh, would have intended. And, and so the other exhibition, a guest, a host, plus a host equals a ghost, uh, what was uh, also took place in the house. It, um, it was um, one that uh, was more in flux and changed with its installations. Uh, there were a number of curators and artists involved and they activated the house in uh, very different ways, reflecting on, again, uh, the legacy of that house and doing some really incredibly dynamic, moving, responsive installations that ha uh, happened throughout the duration of that exhibition. Let's go on now to the uh, Curatorial Writing Award. I understand this is for a brochure uh, with opened mouths, which uh, we'll also talk about again, I see, uh, with regards to the design awards. But yes, tell me about this brochure. Okay. So Dr. Kanita Lilla, who's uh, Associate Curator Arts of Africa, curated this exhibition. And she uh, started working on this exhibition um, before assuming this position on, on a contract while she was still living in South Africa. And uh, in this exhibition, Kanita was uh, reflecting on the Lang Collection of African Art, which is housed at Agnes and focused specifically on the masks and thinking about ways, uh, um, different ways of exhibition making that didn't seal those masks into um, uh, display cases as museum objects, but uh, considered new ways of exhibiting them to give them agency, and to be able to engage and confront uh, visitors. And so it was an incredible, it was an incredible installation. And uh, there's a wonderful walkthrough um, that Kenita does at that exhibition. It's not up anymore, but you can find it on our website. And uh, her essay uh, reflects on that exhibition and reflects on uh, the masks and their place here and the migration that they were made to take from the various uh, countries and communities that they were removed from in order to come here as a museum object. I've, I've got to ask, I, I believe I might have uh, attended this exhibit. Now, was this uh, where there was masks kind of on the floor and one of them was cracked? Yes. So there were masks wherever you were in the circle, you were being looked at and you had to look directly at um, the mask. 
the masks. And then um, in the center, there was soil um, from Cataraqui, for, from the Kingston area, um, representing the ground upon which these masks find themselves living. And then uh, before uh, before Kenita left Cape Town, uh, she had made these, um, in South Africa, she had made these incredible videos of the Atlantic Ocean from those shores, the shores that the masks had left, and those were projected on the walls as almost a backdrop for uh, and surrounding uh, and, and possibly protecting uh, these masks in a certain way. Let's also briefly touch on the design awards. Uh, so I understand uh, for the Art Book Design Award, uh, graphic designer John McCusker for uh, the power given to abstractions that make us stupid. Tell me a, a bit more ab about this. A few years ago, we did an exhibition of um, Igby and Lemon's work uh, that Sunny Kerr, our curator, contemporary art curated. And, and Sunny was also one of the curators involved in a guest plus a host equals a ghost. And uh, this publication has a number of authors in it and also reflections from uh, Richard Igby and Mary Lou Lemons and goes beyond the exhibition itself and is intended um, to be uh, a publication that moves in the world and is not necessarily an exhibition catalog. Sunny worked with John McCusker to come up with this beautiful, and also the artists uh, were very involved in, in doing this beautiful, clean publication. And John McCusker is based in Berlin. So one thing about our design awards too, so we got two design awards, as you mentioned, and these design awards uh, together uh, represent our work with international designers like John McCusker, but also local designers like Vincent Perez. Right, who was, who was recognized for the, for the word mark of uh, With Open Mouths. That's right, that's right. That, and that word mark crossed the... Um, uh, well, you you see uh, it in the pamphlet that we just talked about, um, but really, most fully, uh, it 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 was it was inspired by the podcast that Kanita Lilla uh, did last year and continues to do. It's like the uh, the With Open Mouse podcast part two is happening right now, and uh, yeah, Vincent is a Kingston-based designer. And uh, he, he another design that he had done for us was also shortlisted. It didn't win, but was shortlisted. We uh, we use that word mark. You see it on our website for the pamphlet, recognizing not only an international and local designers, but also different modes of design and the importance. So design work is not just uh, about books and print material. Design uh, design is in our lives across all platforms. And just to sort of wrap up our talk here, so really, you know, so many different forms of art we, we've touched on, um, you know, everything from uh, you know, multimedia, including podcasts and, uh, uh, you know, multi-sensory experiences. Is, is this, uh, you know, what, what people can, you know, look forward to seeing more of at the Agnes as we go forward? Yes, definitely. Um, we are always seeking ways to expand what it means to be, to be a gallery and of course we will always do exhibitions but then also uh looking at ways to 
um, I guess, unpack exhibitions and, and what does it mean to exhibit war, um, art and to collaborate with artists and uh, whether historical or contemporary and uh, also um, projects that are based in collaborations and partnerships like a lot of these were and across our own curatorial and programming areas here at Agnes, we um, we look forward to making our nominations to the GOG Awards next year too. We've got some incredible projects in the works coming up, and uh, and it it just continues to be our ethos to to work in this way. That was my conversation with Chief Curator at the Agnes Etherington Arts Center, Alicia Boutier. And that's all for Citizen K this week. Citizen K was produced with the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences at Queen's University. CFRC 101.9 FM broadcasts from Kingston, Ontario on the traditional lands of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. Thank you for listening. I'm Kareem Mosna. <laughs>